going to jump in. This is week three of our series, Let's Eat, and uh, it's our final week on this amazing topic. We're going to be talking this morning out of Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, so how appropriate on Family Sunday to examine one of the most classic firstborn versus secondborn stories in all of the Bible, right? We already got an amen from the back. I knew it was going to be that person too um, because she is a firstborn, right? And um, has some issues with that. No, that's all right. Thank you, Jesus. No, um, this is a total firstborn versus secondborn uh, story right here. We have Martha, right, who, listen, I, I will be clear to say that the Bible doesn't specifically say between Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, their brother who's not mentioned in this story, the birth order, all right? But birth order is a thing. It is a real thing. Any parents in here can testify to birth order being a real thing. All right, it is. And we see that here in Scripture. We can pretty much uh, guess that with assurance that Martha is the firstborn because she is doing very much firstborn things in this story. All right, and for argument's sake, I'm going to go ahead and say that Mary is the middle child. Got any middle child in, in, in the house? Okay, very good. All right, we see you. You're seen. Thank you for raising your hand. It's me. Acknowledge me. Middle child. God, those hands went up quick, right? And we're going to go ahead and say that Lazarus is, is the baby, right? All right, any, any baby? Any, any babies? All right, very good. It's good to be with my people. Love y'all. We know what it's like. It's good life. It's a good life being a baby. Everything's chill. Everything's chill, right? We just ask for stuff, and we get it. Ah. It's not complicated. Ah. I feel all the firstborn hatred coming my way. Ah. Not because I'm lying, but because I'm telling the truth, and you know it. Ah. Who are the firstborns, by the way? I skipped you first one. I'm sorry. All right. All right. So it's a pretty, pretty good uh, across the board. All right. Very good. Very good. I uh, love it. I'm just going to leave that alone. All right. Um, Martha's the firstborn. Uh, she's doing the firstborn things here. And she has invited Jesus into her home. The Bible says that she, he's coming into her home, right? And she is doing all this work. She's doing all this work doing all the prep work, cooking, cleaning, whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it looks like to prepare a house for, for not just guests, but the son of the most high God in your house, uh, Martha is doing. And where, where is Mary all this time? She's sitting at Jesus' feet. So just picture for yourself this, the sibling dynamic here. Martha is working really hard, right, getting all the preparations, all the things done, and Mary isn't helping at all, Right? She's sitting down. And every time that I envision this story, and I have ever since I heard it, for, forever, um, I always picture Mary's back towards Martha. Right? Like, you just picture Martha's in the kitchen. She's doing whatever she's got to do, working really hard, doesn't cleaning, all that stuff. And as she looks out and she sees Jesus speaking and he's doing all this stuff, all she sees from Mary is Mary's back. Like, Mary's just oblivious, totally ignorant to all the things that Martha is doing. Right? 
middle child, right? Can I get an amen? All right? She, so, so not only can Martha, like, not communicate to Mary, hey, I need your help. Will you come, come here? Right? She can't do any of that because Mary's back is to her. Mary's like, I'm not even paying attention to what you're doing. Right? Because Martha is distracted. And it says that she was both, Jesus says to her, she's both upset, right, and worried about things. And I want to make it very clear this morning that it is not Mary's fault that Martha is distracted. It is not Mary's fault that Martha is worried and upset about many things. The reason that Martha is worried and upset about many things is because Jesus is in the room and she's too distracted to notice. She's too distracted to notice that Jesus is right there and she is robbing herself of all that Jesus has for her. Then it, listen, we have to understand Martha loves Jesus. Martha loves Jesus. She is so excited to have him in the room, in her house. What an honor, right? But even though Jesus is in the room, doesn't mean that Martha gets anything from it. We could spend a lot of time building godly homes, right, having godly houses, and then have Jesus in the living room, but because we are so distracted by life or whatever life throws at us, we don't get anything out of it. And because of that, we get worried and we get upset. Because we're distracted by all the things going on. Distraction here means to be pulled away from. So Martha is actually being pulled away from Jesus in the room by doing all these other things. And I don't know about y'all, but I, I can deceive myself a lot of times by thinking that I can do the work and pay attention to Jesus. I can multitask Jesus into my life. Right? And still get things out of him when really I'm not getting anything at all because the distraction has become the most important thing in my life. And we are pulling ourselves away from Jesus and choosing to do the work more than to pay attention to him. And that is what Martha is doing right here. And I just want to pause and ask ourselves really quickly, what are some distractions in our life that might be pulling ourselves away from Jesus? And I would I would bet it's safe to say that at least, I would say 95% of us in here and those watching online would say that this right here, this guy, is a huge distraction. It has become the distraction of the world to the point where we actually have physical ailments attributed to phones, right? Our necks hurt because of phones. These are new things that have developed. They weren't like that when we were kids, we can do everything on our phone. Like, as a matter of fact, let me just see here. I want to dare all of us, myself included, for the next little bit, see how quick the air goes out of the room, to turn your phone off. Taking notes on it? Okay. All right. Ding, 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 firstborn, all right? I didn't think this one through, all right, Clearly. All right, I'm going to turn mine off. Does anyone, everyone know how to turn their phone off? When was the last time you turned your phone off? I need a firstborn up here to show me how to turn it off. I can't do it. I'm a baby. Uh. But, man, they are so distracting. We can do all things on it, right? We can check our email. We can text. We can call. We can FaceTime. That's what the kiddos are doing these days. We can check the weather. We can bank. We can shop. We can check sports scores. 
The list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And so all that time, we're down here staring at this thing, completely distracted. You know what the truth is? We've come addicted to the distraction. We are actually addicted to the distraction in our lives by this thing we call a phone. I asked last week for the church to fast between after breakfast and 5 p.m. on Tuesdays. And I want to encourage you, if if this is resonating with you at all, this whole phone thing, fast your phone. Delete whatever app it is that is causing you the most distraction. Say, well, I can't. Why not? There's other ways. Believe me, life existed, the world existed before the phone. We can figure it out. But the phone isn't the only thing. And again, I want to go back to the text here where it says that Martha was worried and upset. I don't know. I can't think of anything that makes us more worried and upset at the same exact time than the news. All right? Turn on the news. You're going to get distracted real quick because you're going to get worried and you're going to get upset. It's amazing how we never associate worried with joy, right? Martha, you are worried and so incredibly happy. We don't associate those two things because they typically do not exist together. Worry leads to being upset and leads to fear and all those things. And the the news is, is the greatest source for that, in my opinion. So maybe we need to turn that off. But whatever it is for you, whatever it might be, it might be sports, it might be shopping, it might be this or that or the other, whatever it might be, I want you to seriously ask yourself, are there distractions in my life that are causing me to miss Jesus in the room? What or let's be real honest with ourselves this morning. Because here's the thing. Martha, when, when it comes to distractions, Martha thought she was doing good. She thought she was doing the right thing. Of course she would. Jesus is in the room. Jesus is in her house. So of course she's gonna she's gonna work hard to make it look the best, right? She thought she wasn't overtly sinning in this moment. She wasn't going outside and doing drugs or drinking or whatever it might be, cussing her up a storm or anything like that while Jesus was in the house. She was working for Jesus. She was doing work for Jesus. So in her heart and in her mind, she thought she was doing the right thing. But it's never the right thing when the work becomes more important than the person that we're working for. Right? If we as a staff spend all our week talking about the lighting, right, and the sound mix, and what songs we're going to do, and and what what we're going to wear, and how many hot dogs and burgers we should order, and all that stuff, and we forget who we're doing it for, I don't care how much work we put into it. The service is going to fall flat. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And if we're working for him when he's in the room and we're missing out, we are distracted no matter how right we think we're being. Listen to this. Jesus wants us to be with him much more than he wants us to work for him. He wants us to be with him much more than he wants us to be for him. And I believe so much of this series that we've been talking about, this let's eat, let's be at the table with Jesus, is about that. It's about stopping. It's about stopping and then just enjoying the conversation that we can have with Jesus at a table or at his feet and just resting in that. Because watch what happens when Martha is distracted. The first thing is she questions Jesus' heart. She says, don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus? And then she blames her sister, right? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? She's worried and upset. And when we get distracted from Jesus, we get frustrated. We get frustrated with him. We get frustrated with the people around us. 
I don't know about you, have you ever opened the Bible and you've started reading Scripture and you're thinking, mm-hmm, that's for that person. They need to hear that, right? Fixing to tell them that right there, right? And all we're doing is we're seeking the Lord, like, to spite other people and to put judgment on other people. We start blaming other people because we're distracted by all the work that we're doing. We've forgotten that Jesus is in the room. The second thing that Martha does is she goes, she goes firstborn on Jesus. She says, and I quote to Jesus, tell her to help me. Martha is bossing Jesus around. Jesus, you ain't doing it, so I'm going to tell you what to do. All right? Tell her. She'll listen to you, but you need to tell her to help me. All right? Boston, can you, can you, like, just, Jesus is so patient. Oh, Lord Jesus. Like, I've been like, excuse me? Are you going to boss me around? She bosses Jesus around. She tells Jesus what to do. Listen, <laughs> if we're bossing Jesus around, we are not in the right place. Like, truthfully. If we start looking at people in our lives that we are frustrated with, that make us upset and say, Jesus, when are you going to blah, blah, blah? Jesus, you need to blah, blah, blah. We need to stop in our tracks in that very moment and repent. Because who are we to, to tell Jesus how to manage other people? But so much of when we are distracted and we've taken our eyes off Jesus, the results are we question Jesus' heart, we start trying to tell Jesus what to do, and we start getting frustrated with everybody else around us. But if we just sit at Jesus' feet and allow him to pour into us, then our hearts for other people change. Then we start having a heart like Jesus has for other people. Instead of getting frustrated, annoyed by everybody. Here's the thing, Martha was distracted because she was trying to impress Jesus and everyone else in the room. She was trying to impress everybody else in the room. And I've learned this growing up, becoming an adult, that the cleanest house is the house that is about to entertain guests. Right? I used to think like going over to people's house, like, man, their house is so clean compared to ours. And I didn't realize till later in life, oh, it's because they spent hours cleaning it for us. Because I don't know about y'all. But when I go into someone's house, the first thing I check is how dusty the baseboards are, right? We ain't staying for dinner if I see any dust down there. Because that's the most important thing when we go over to people's houses. When we leave, did you see that Lego under the couch? <laughs> what a bunch of losers. <laughs> check them off the friends list. They're done. But we clean our houses, right, because we want to put on a good impression. We want to impress people. And who more so than Jesus, right? Martha's trying to impress Jesus. She's trying to impress everybody else. But I, I, I heard this quote from a pastor this week. I think, it's, I think it's rather remarkable. It says, no one is busier than the person who's trying to manage the perception of others. <laughs> no one is busier. In other words, no one is more distracted than the person trying to manage the perception of others. In other words, people that just try and people please all the time. I just want to impress this person and that person. Now listen, not only will that distract you, it will own you, it will cripple you, it will exhaust you, it will frustrate you till the cows come home. We can't do it, right? And here's the beauty of what I want to talk about this morning for all of us in here to hear. We never, 
ever have to try and impress Jesus. We never have to try and impress him. There's a song called Gyra that Maverick City does that I love, and the first line is, I'll never be more loved than I am right now. I will never be more loved by Jesus than I am right now in this moment. In other words, Jesus isn't waiting for us to get our act together so he can finally go, okay, now I can really love them. Right? They've cleaned up the mess. They've cleaned up the house. There's no more dust on the baseboards. Now I can really love them. It doesn't work that way. What he's actually saying is, I love you so much, I'm going to clean up the house for you. I love you right where you're at. I love you in your mess. I love you in your failures. I love you on your best day and your worst day. I will never love you more than I love you right now. That's both to the believer and the non-believer, he says that. The difference in the relationship with Jesus when we feel that change is not that Jesus loves us more, but that we love him more. That's how our relationship changes, as we grow more and more in love with him. But we never, ever have to feel like we have to impress Jesus. The second we start doing that, we start to get really distracted, and we get more concerned with the work than the person we're working for. Does Jesus want us to work for him? Absolutely. He wants to include us in kingdom work. But never let it take the place of him. Ever. And if you're sitting here this morning, you feel like you have to, even, even right now, sitting in church, knowing that there's a cookout happening afterwards, and oh my gosh, i got to say this, i got to say the right thing, i got to impress everybody. No, you don't. No, you don't. We just love that you're here. We love so much that you're here. And if we feel that way, how much more Jesus? He loves that you're here. And he loves you right where you're at. You do not have to impress him. One little bit. Martha thought she was doing the right thing. She really did. And, and honestly, who can blame her, you know? You put out the best dishes for Jesus. Who wouldn't? That's what we want to do. Our motives might be pure when we work for Jesus, but that doesn't mean that they're right. And here's the thing about the devil. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you bad, he will make you busy. In other words, they're not going for this temptation anymore. They're not falling into this trap anymore. They've learned that. They're past that. So I know I'm going to make them so distracted and so busy that even if Jesus is in the room, they're going to rob themselves of that experience. I'm just going to create busyness in their life. I'm going to create distraction in their life. I'm going to make the pastor so busy that he forgets that he's actually a son of God. Whatever that is for all of us. He tries really hard to make us bad first. And when those things fail, he'll make us busy. Verse 41, it says that Mar Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Don't raise your hand this morning, but I, I wonder how many of us are worried and upset about some things in life right now, in this world right now in a relationship right now, with your finances right now, whatever it might be. I could ask all of us in here to write one thing down that we're worried and upset about, and we could have 200 different answers, all different things. What Jesus is saying, take all of that, put it on a piece of paper, and there's only one thing that's needed for all of those, and that's me. It's me. Just one thing. Sounds cliche, but Jesus is truly the one answer that we need for every question and problem that we have in life. So then, why aren't we spending more time at his feet than we are now? If he's the answer to it all, shouldn't that be exactly where we want to be? 
we um, had our first Lent service this past Tuesday, and it was awesome. Uh, man, it was good. And my mentality going into it was, I have all these things that I want to pray for. I'm so excited that I get this time to really focus and concentrate on these prayers. And most of them were about work. Most of them were about Beaches Chapel, about the school and the church and the pre- and everything that we're doing, all the stuff we're doing. It was like this list, and I was so excited to have that one hour in the middle of the week where I could just stop and focus on those things. And like immediately, immediately, as that hour began, it was like, put that aside. Put all those things aside, James. Just open your word and start reading it for the joy of reading my word. Write some stuff down that are just for you and me. Worship because you love me, not because you're after something. He wants us to sit at his feet. All the other, that list of things, yes, we pray for him. We should. The Bible tells us to. But with the assurance that God's got it. And we need to sit at his feet. That's what he desires of us. That's what he wants of us. Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. She's chosen what is better. What's better? What's better? What are the things in our life that are better? You know, we we strive so hard to work for things in our life. We want that new car. But the new car smell fades. It's going to get dinged eventually. The miles are going to add up on it. Something's going to break. We have to get repaired. And then it becomes this thing. We want that house. If we could just get that house, we move into the house. But eventually it needs a new roof. It needs to be painted. The plumbing goes awry. Then it becomes this thing. We work and we work and we work for these things that are fleeting, that are temporary. Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Things that will last forever. What are the things that are eternal? What are the things that last a lifetime? It's relationships. It's relationships that last a lifetime. I do, as pastor here, I do, you know, funerals. Uh, not not a lot, but go to, go to and attend more than the average person. And I uh, actually went to two last week. And every single funeral I've ever been to, when someone comes up to give a eulogy about the deceased, it's never, man, they had a 4,000-square-foot house with the most gorgeous master bath. It's not about that. It's about the character of the person, the heart of the person, and how that relationship that they had with that person affected them and still affects them. To that day, even though that person's gone. Why? Because relationships last a lifetime. Relationships are eternal. And did you know, like, we, we try and tell ourselves, if I just do this and I do that and I do that, then, then I'm going to get this person to Jesus. Or, I'm above, or you know, I'm going to grow the kingdom this way. You know what grows the kingdom? When we strengthen our own relationship with Jesus. When we invest in our relationship with Jesus, and that becomes the center of our life, that's when people take notice. Not because we have a welcome that, that has a Bible verse on it at our front door. But when we walk with Jesus, when we sit at his feet, and he becomes everything that we are, that's when people notice. And that's when they start saying, because of who you are, I am who I am today. Not because of the things that you have. It's the quality of relationship that affects the kingdom. 
more than anything else. And that happens, that quality grows when we sit at Jesus' feet. And Mary chose relationships. Mary chose relationships. I want to look at two verses here that speak to that even more. John chapter 11, verse 32. This is the same Mary. This is when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She fell at his feet and said that. John 12, verse 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Mary's existence in the Bible exists at Jesus' feet. That's where we find Mary every time we read about her, at Jesus' feet. What a remarkable testimony that is. That's where she lives. What would our life look like? What would the church look like if we existed at Jesus' feet? Instead of any other room doing all this work, being distracted all the time, missing out on Jesus in the room. That's where Mary existed. And Jesus says she's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It's a hard thing to do. I get it. We're surrendering all the distractions, all the worries, all the questions, all the stuff, right, all the work. We're saying I'm going to put a pause on that, and I'm going to be still before Jesus. I'm just going to sit at Jesus' feet. That's, that's really hard for most of us to do. So we have to trust Jesus with all those things. And ultimately, we have to be dependent on him. We have to be completely dependent on Jesus when we sit at his feet and let go of all the distractions. But I, also, I, I read this this week as well. It says this. If dependence is the goal, weakness is the advantage. If dependence is the goal, if we're trying to be more dependent on Jesus in our lives, then weakness is actually the advantage. Because the more that we're weak in ourselves, the more we're dependent on Jesus, right? In our weakness, we are made strong. In our weakness, we are more dependent on him to take care of things for us. And I believe most of us in here would say, I want Jesus to take care of some things for me. That means we have to be dependent on him to do so. So even though dependence is scary, that's the goal. That's the whole point. And so we sit at his feet. And we lay aside distractions. Saying, God, I'm too weak to do it anyway. And we watch him work in our lives. Speak in our lives. So let's sit at the table with Jesus. Let's not spend the entire time working in the house. So I ask you again. What are the distractions in your life? It's usually the things that we do the most, probably. But what are some distractions in your life? Be real honest with yourself. Have a conversation with your spouse about it. What are some things that we need to lay aside right now because they're just a distraction? I mean, this world just tells you to go, 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 go. And when you're done going, go some more. And by the way, speed up. Add this to your calendar. Add that to your schedule. Make sure your kid is in every single extracurricular activity after school, right? So that you never actually spend time with them yourself. You never get to spend time with your spouse. Certainly not Jesus. We have to go, we have to move, and we have to accomplish all this stuff. That's the message of the world. Jesus' message is, be still and sit at my feet. I got you. You don't have to impress me. You don't have to do anything. So just sit at my feet. So what are some distractions that we need to lay aside 
so that we don't miss Jesus in the room. Again, I ask, I ask us all to fast um, during Lent on Tuesdays from after breakfast. Hopefully you aren't taking breakfast at like 1230 in the afternoon. An honest breakfast time. All the way to like five. So basically your, our version of a sun-up, sundown fast. Which means going without eating, by the way, to, you know, put us through some things. To wake, to wake ourselves. I heard, uh, someone told me this week, man, I needed this. I just needed to wake up. It's a focus more on prayer. When, you're, when your stomach starts grumbling, you start getting hungry, oh, I'm going to pray for this now. But to just lay, lay this before the Lord. So that's why we're doing it, because I, I believe there's a lot of us in here that need that. But maybe we need to fast some other things as well. That's your decision. And it might not just be on Tuesdays. It might be for a while, for a month or more. But I want to encourage all of us. I mentioned it earlier. We have from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. on Tuesdays right in this room, for one hour, we're having what's called, we're calling it a Lent service, where we just come in, there's light worship on stage, uh, like three people, it's, it's not like you see up here with a full band, it's very light, um, and everyone's just scattered around the room, bring your Bible, bring a journal, just bring your heart for the Lord. And whatever that looks like to you is, is really your time, there's no prayer points, there's no exhortation, we just open the room up, and it was awesome this past Tuesday, I don't know how many people we had, it was a good amount. But I'll be honest with you all, the trend for these things, we've done stuff like this, not quite like this, but we've done things like this in the past where we've had a fast and we've opened up our sanctuary. Um, the first week is always really good. You know, like, wow, look at all the people. Ah. By the last week, it's like three of us, you know. I'm just being honest. But I don't want that for this. I want us to grow every Tuesday because it's important. I truly believe God is calling us all to just be still before him. He misses you. Do you know that? When we're just going and going and going and full of distractions, he's like, I miss you. Would you just be still before me? That All those, those things can wait. Believe it or not, I don't need you to accomplish it. I want to use you, but I don't need you. Don't be fooled in that. Just come sit at my feet. I miss you. And as, as we sit, you know what happens? We realize we miss him too. So this, ter- this Tuesday from 12 to 1 o'clock, I want to encourage you. This is your first Sunday here. You've been coming forever. It doesn't matter. You're welcome. We want you in here for one hour out of your week. And if you can't join us in here, we're streaming it online. You can take that time in your house as well. But just put aside all the distractions, all the things, all the things that make you worry and upset. Let's just sit at Jesus' feet. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray. Pray us out this morning and dismiss us outside, out these uh, doors over here, the west entrance for burgers and hot dogs. We've got a team of guys that are out there grilling away. We have tables, chairs, we have some games. The playground's going to be unlocked for all the little kiddos, for all the parents that just want to put their kid in a fenced area and say, Lord of the Flies, good luck. Um, You can do that. But listen, my encouragement is stay, hang out, you know. Uh, It's a beautiful day outside. Hallelujah. We didn't do this last Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. Um, But let's hang out. Let's, let's, Let's have church outside, just continue conversations, get to meet new people. If you see someone you don't know, introduce yourself. But um, listen, I love y'all. I love this church. I love what God's doing here. And, and the temptation is God's doing stuff. we got to keep doing more. I believe God's calling us right now to do less. To just sit at his feet and remember our first love. To get back to our first love in Jesus. And if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I want to say it one more time before we dismiss. You do not have to impress him. You do not have to impress him. He wants you right where you are at. And all you have to do is open up your heart in your own words. In your own words. Just say, Father, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of everything. I'm here. I'm here to sit at the table with you.
whatever that sounds like to you. But just say a quick word of repentance to him to get all that stuff off of you, to get all those things out of you. It's not, it's not to shame you or condemn you. It's so that you can be released from all that stuff. He wants to take it from you and say, here I am, Lord. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this amazing reminder that it's not about what we do for you. It's simply about.